first of all, I don't want to have to correct you on your own podcast, but I'm pretty sure the correct pronunciation of that title is Tatuhuhu. Hello and welcome to the EuroWhats, episode 196 for the week of May 15th, 2023. We are a pair of Americans trying to make sense of the Eurovision Song Contest. I'm Mike McComb, and I'm joined today by special guest Trip Payne. Hey Trip. Hello. In this episode, we'll be talking about Sweden, the winner of the 2023 Eurovision Song Contest. Yay? You you speak for us both. Before we dive in, Ben is traveling back from Liverpool as we're recording, and we learned last year that jet lag does not add to the podcasting experience. He has more than earned some spava. In the meantime, welcome to the show, Trip. Thank you. It is an honor and a privilege. Yes. How did you get introduced to Eurovision? I think I had been aware of the existence of Eurovision for a few decades, but I just thought it was like soccer in that it was one of those things that the rest of the world cares about and we really don't over here. I had seen a few random videos over time, but nothing that really drew me in, I guess. But sometime in the late 2010s, a friend was like, hey, can I come over? I want to watch the finals with somebody. Do you want to watch it? And I was like, sure, teach me this. And I didn't fully understand what was going on. And at the end, I turned to him and I said, so explain why this boring piano song just beat all of these more interesting numbers, (laughs) which makes me think it had to have been 2019, because I still have that question about 2019. It wasn't until 2021 when some mutual friends that Ben and I have decided to go through all 40 of the videos online and, you know, snark on them. And I was like, oh, I can do that. That's what really drew me in. 2021 was a very good year to, I guess, get the Eurovision bug, because to me, that was a very strong year. I think that's when it really clicked for me that Eurovision isn't just about listening to catchy music. It's about 50% the music and 50% getting to rank stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I love getting to rank stuff. I and mean, it's like, oh, I get to pass judgment on people more talented than I am. Sign me up. Ever since then, I've just been getting more and more into it, you know, listening to past albums and trying to learn about the key performances of the past and so on. Yeah, and you're currently doing this like really interesting listening project where you're kind of working backwards. I bought all of the MP3s that I could get via Amazon, which was, I think, 2019 to 22 at the time. And everything else they had was CDs, which don't do me any good. But I just thought, I'm going to try and work backwards because it's probably going to be easiest to get the more recent songs. And that's what I've done from various friends and sources. I've gotten the music all the way back to the year 2000 at this point, and I'm still working my way to that point. I understand that working backward, I'm missing some context, obviously, but I can pick that up later when I start watching the actual performances and so forth. Right now, I'm just listening to the albums, just learning about the music as songs right now. And I hope to flesh that out later. Oh, wow. So it's just an audio project at this point. For the most part. I mean, there are certainly songs where I'm like, okay, I have to see what this was live. You know, this song by Verka. um, I I really have to see this (laughs) performance, you know. 
I'm sure that once I see the actual performances, my opinion of a lot of these will change dramatically. But for whatever reason, that's just how I've chosen to do it. Oh, it's it's fascinating from like a historical archivist uh, perspective. Have there been any standouts that you've encountered so far? I think I've pulled like a hundred songs for my personal playlists already. So oh, wow. there, yeah, there have been a lot of songs I've liked a lot. I would say my all-time favorite is not exactly a hot take, but I think my all-time favorite Eurovision song is Rise Like a Phoenix. But yeah, I'm loving all of these songs that I find that, you know, weren't even in the top 10 winners that I just, you know, love. You know, like uh, Lavenda in, in 2019, for example, I think is a really fun song, and I couldn't believe it finished 22nd. It's been really great just seeing the variety of music in these years. And yeah, that's what I really like about Eurovision. It's not just one thing over and over, and it's very curious to see how the songs from even 10 years ago are so different from what Eurovision is offering now. This year's winner, notwithstanding, since that's <laughs> kind well, of a weird parenthesis to have. We, so. we, we will get to that. <laughs> yes. Uh, actually, why don't we hop over to that now? Is this year the first year that you're following the contest in real time, or were you following last year as well? Uh I would say yes. Starting last year, I started following in real time, not to the point that I was really following the national finals or any of those. As things got released, I would listen, and I was very familiar with all of the songs well before the semifinals. I had already seen the videos many times. I had listened to the album a lot. I was prepared this year. Coming into this weekend's show, what were your favorites? Well, you hosted a party that I attended, which was a lot of fun, and uh, it may have been evident what my favorite was, given that I was the only person who came in a costume, and that costume involved a green bolero. From the start, I have been very, very heavily on the Finland train this year. I think it's one of the best Eurovision songs I've ever heard. I was also a big fan of Italy this year. I thought it was a gorgeous ballad. I thought Slovenia was just a really fun pop song. And I also thought Austria was just a whole lot of fun. But I, overall, I thought this was a very strong year. There were a lot of songs I liked a lot this year. Oh, fantastic. So what did you think of this year's show? I thought the show itself was really well done. From the hosts to the interval acts to the songs themselves, I really enjoyed this year. It was such a good show. And I feel like I'm surprised by the UK. And I don't know why I feel surprised by that. Because it's like they've, they've put on great shows in the past, but they just went so above and beyond this year. Yeah, I was very impressed with how much they managed to credit Ukraine and to involve them in what they were doing. Some of the songs on that involved Ukraine were just beautiful. And yeah, I mean, it never really felt like they were ignoring the circumstances of their hosting at all. In our last episode, I had mentioned that it kind of felt like the split during the semifinals. It was like, yeah, it feels a little bit more like a 60-40 UK-Ukraine production. I think that definitely turned into a 50-50 presentation, factoring in everything that was happening during that grand final. Like, that was fantastic and a great salute to Ukraine and just such a good show. Yeah, I guess we can start diving into the results. Sweden won. I yeah, guess we can they be did. Excited about it. So that, yeah. that, is, that is that is a thing that happened. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I was surprised. Maybe I wouldn't have been as surprised had I known the numbers from the semifinal in advance, because in the semifinal, which was only televote, Cha 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 won, but it only won by forty-two points, which is a lot closer than I expected it to be. 
So had I known that Sweden's televote was going to be that strong, I might have been more concerned about Finland's chances of winning. What were your thoughts on Tattoo, Loreen, Sweden? Well, first of all, I don't want to have to correct you on your own podcast, but I'm pretty sure the correct pronunciation of that title is Tattoo. Look, Loreen's gonna Loreen. She did a fine performance vocally. She was very good. It's dramatic. It delivered to the Loreen fans exactly what they wanted. I have described the song as aggressively mediocre, and I stand by that. It's it's fine, but it doesn't connect with me emotionally at all. Loreen is, a, is just one of the singers who does not attempt to make it look easy. She wants you to understand how difficult it is for her to sing this song. Compared with Marco singing from Italy, he is another person who makes it look very effortful to sing. But with him, I actually feel like that effort is coming from a real connection with the song. And with Loreen, I don't really feel that. I feel it's just her singing the lyrics that are in front of her. I get that. Yeah, I mean, especially like Tattoo had, or sorry, Tattoo Hoo Hoo um, <laughs> has, uh, I think it was seven songwriters in total. And she is part of the credits for that. But it's just like, okay, even at one seventh of the production, how much of a connection can you have to convincingly portray whatever emotion is supposed to come out of that song? I have no emotional connection to it either. Were, were there seven different lines of lyrics in the song? Like, yeah. <laughs> what, how, what did seven people do for that song? Some of that may include the, like, the composition and the the, the music of it I, I but lyrically oh, the lyrics i mm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's the taking it cool line that really grinds my gears <laughs> i totally get it as as somebody who still gets annoyed that queen of the kings is the lyric and queen of kings is the title i i understand your pedantry here i think where my biggest hang-up is, both as a show producer, like attempted prognosticator and stuff, I don't understand what the juries were noticing that both Ben and I must have completely missed or like what – like. I can understand getting some 12s, but didn't it end up being like 15 12s that she got from the jury? Yeah. I mean, I knew it would do super well with the jury, but I did not expect it to be as big of a gap with Finland as it was. I mean, I shouldn't have been surprised, I suppose, because this is their history. But I thought this year, surely they will have to give some credit to such a well-constructed rock song. Nope. There's been a lot of discourse today about how the points are distributed. People are nervous about the idea of there being a 100% televote, but they're not happy with the juries basically overruling the televote this year. Last night, I looked at the last 10 years or so just to see if what I thought was correct was, which is pretty much every time the winner of the competition has been different from the popular vote, I pretty much never agree with the jury over the popular vote. For me, and I guess this is not particularly a hot take or anything, it's just that what the jury's like is such a small representation of what Eurovision has to offer. They only go for songs that are, you know, empowering ballads or anthems or big dramatic love ballads or 
just some sort of song that is no fun at all. And it seems like they don't understand what a quality pop song or a quality rock song or a quality some other genre song is, or at least they don't respond to it. And my fear is that if we keep this system as it is, eventually any country that wants to win is only going to send the big dramatic ballads, and we're going to lose out on the variety of music that is the whole reason I enjoy Eurovision. In like nine of the past ten years, the juries have gone for exactly that. And in particular, the one that really gets me is I think everybody can pretty much agree that Moniskin was a very sensible winner in 2021. But had the juries had their way, <laughs> John's tears with that drippy little ballad from Switzerland would have been our winner. And that would have been just a miscarriage of justice. I feel like something has to be done if the juries aren't going to wake up and stretch what they enjoy at all. I am also nervous about a 100% televote because I think that could just unleash a level of chaos where it's going to be an effect on quality in kind of the other direction where, like, do you want a grand final where it's 26 Croatias uh, from this year? Like, that's going to be a lot. (laughs) One year of that could be awesome. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I don't know that that would be the result. Now, I I understand the hesitation of going 100%, especially when I saw what the rest of the world vote was this year. But I don't know. I mean, I feel like going more towards a popular vote gets rid of other problems, too. Like, I don't think you're going to get as much of the, you know, Greece-Cyprus situation, for example, if you don't have juries voting. Generally speaking, the masses have better taste than the juries do, so I wouldn't mind some sort of adjustment being made. And this isn't just bitterness from this year. This is bitterness from a lot of years. (laughs) To recap what the audience vote was, Finland scored 376 points in the televote, which ties Portugal's televote score from 2017, which held the record up until last year with Ukraine's total dominance of the of the televote. That is a record that is going to be hard to beat. People thought that nobody was going to match Salvador's 376 for the longest time. Caria got 18 12s in the televote. Almost half of the countries that were participating this year gave him 12 points. That is phenomenal. Also, fascinating. Sweden did not get a single 12 in any televote. That actually surprised me. I I was pleased by it, but it surprised me. It was very, very striking, just the difference in what the juries liked and what the people liked this year. It was... It was crazy. It was almost a complete flip. But the good news, no nil point on either side of the vote. That was something that I was genuinely worried about. It's something that I worry about every year. It was just nice to see, like, okay, good, Germany got some points. I, I really wanted yes. Germany to get points this year. Oh, poor, <laughs> poor Germany. Like, So for the past four competitions, they've been in the bottom two at the end of the whole thing. And it's not like they're trying the same thing over and over. Everything they set out sounds completely different to what they tried before. I mean... This did not sound like rock stars, which did not sound like I don't feel hate. I don't know what Germany needs to do. I want to help them because they were doing so well, like 2010 winning, 2011, their follow-up with Alina's second entry. That was great. 2012, they had another great performance. And then, yeah, just fell off a cliff. Come back, Germany? I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, I, I, I was not a fan of Blood and Glitter. Of the 37 songs, it was 37th for me. Oh, really? It just, it's just not for me. It's not aimed at me, and I couldn't really get my head around it enough to appreciate it more. That said, uh, I, I do want Germany to come back, and I, I had friends who really liked Blood and Glitter a lot, so it certainly is for some people. I thought it would do better than it did. I thought so, too. Like I, I really thought it was going to connect with one part of the audience that is often underserved, but I guess that 
audience was probably also being served by Finland, so it might have just been late to the party, I guess. <laughs> yeah, could be. Or maybe it's just one of those songs that would have done better had it had a full performance in the semis and people would have had a chance to know it better rather than coming to it cold. That That is one of the things with the Big Five, because the Big Five overall really underperformed. Italy was the only one on the left side this year. Yeah, some of that really surprised me, too. Uh, the one that I was really curious about was Spain, because I knew that would do well with the juries. I had no question about that. But I was very curious to how that would do with the popular vote, whether it would be able to connect with people or not. I've been trying to connect with the song, because I can. it's one of those songs that I appreciate it, but I don't fully grasp it, I guess. Apparently, it did not connect with the popular vote at all. No, no. It came last in the televote. Uh, did get points, though. Uh, I believe it was five points. I, mean, I think Ben described it really well, that it builds and builds and builds, but you don't get any sort of resolution or catharsis from it. Yeah, that's exactly what my problem with it has been, I think. There is an interesting aspect of Spain's performance this year. Spain finished in 17th place, which means that over their entire career, they have now ranked in every slot from 1 to 26. Maybe they were actually shooting for that with this particular entry. Maybe like, this is the one that will come in 17th. Yeah. <laughs> if that was the plan, good on them. Like, they, they deserve. Yeah. <laughs> well done, España. And I was surprised at how France underperformed. I thought that was in the conversation for at least top five. Oh, I assumed it was going to be top five. I had it as one of the dark horses to win if for some reason something happened with Sweden and Finland. Granted that the staging was very simple. It's a catchy number that I thought would do well with both jury and televote. I think a large part of it is that so many points were swept up by Sweden and Finland that there just was not a lot to go around for everybody else. Looking at the overall standings, when you get down to the mid-table area, from 15th place to 10th place, it's a 10-point difference. So like, yeah. not a lot of wiggle room to be on either left or right side of the board. The rest of the world vote, I'm not sure if it worked or not. Like, I like the idea of it where it's like, oh, everybody gets to participate, but it doesn't seem to really have much of an impact. Did they even reveal the rest of the world results on the show? Because I don't remember a presenter coming on for that. It's just on the televote side, so there wouldn't be any oh, anybody true. during the jury part of it. It's just going to be aggregated with the rest of the scores. So it wasn't revealed until later on on the website. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I, at least Hannah and Graham should have announced that, I think. I think so, too. I think that would have been a good way to kind of do the transition from the jury vote to the televote score. Uh, just be like, this is what the rest of the world thinks. Let's see how Europe and Australia thinks about this. And can we talk about what the rest of the world thought? Because they voted for Israel. Mm -hmm. For me, Israel was the big surprise of the finale. I was not expecting the strong showing that Israel had at all. I wasn't either. I mean, I guess in retrospect, I should have expected it to do well with the jury. I mean, this is a song that includes the lyric out here on my own. It's clearly jury bait. You know, it's a big empowering anthem sort of thing. But I did not expect it to do as well with the public as it did. I mean, for me, the song just isn't, um, what's the word, good. <laughs> I don't think it's a strong vocal. I don't think her dancing is as great as she wants to brag about in the song. I think it's perfectly fine, but I don't think it should have been up where it was. 
in a year this strong. I was kind of baffled by it. There is a radio friendliness about it, but not in a way where if I land on it on the radio, like, oh, turn that up. Like, just be like, oh, yeah, that song's on. I was not expecting it to be the dark horse of this competition, which, I mean, I guess if you're a unicorn, yeah, dark horse <laughs> uh, could be in the job description. <laughs> Yeah, along with the rest of the world vote getting revealed, they did the data drop for the semifinals. Lots of fun little tidbits popping up through there. Finland won the first semifinal and received points from every country. Its lowest points from any country was six points from Moldova. I think it's incredible. It, it it really is. As I say, had I known that the difference between them and Sweden was only 42 points, I might have doubted my confidence in Finland's victory a little earlier than I did. I didn't start worrying about that until the actual finale when I heard Karia's vocal, which was not the strongest. And I thought this might not be good, you know, for people hearing this for the first time. It was a a fairly narrow victory for Finland over Sweden and Israel coming in third there. It was a fun performance with only one true low light, which was, of course, the return of Dustin the Turkey. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that was not one of your highlights in your listening project? No. <laughs> uh, as, as I have said to you offline a few times, I, I think that Irland du Zapois is probably the worst Eurovision song I have ever heard. And when I want to inflict pain on somebody, I show them the video of that performance. <laughs> uh, Hannah was a goddess to put up with that skit as yeah. well as she did. <laughs> She is a professional. She fully demonstrated that this entire uh, this entire oh week. <laughs> she she was the MVP for sure. I mean, because she she had to put up with some nonsense throughout this, and she made it look good. I was surprised at where the cliff was in the first semifinal. Like usually, it's just like oh, you get to tenth or eleventh place, and then there's like a huge drop off in points. But it was as far up as ninth. It came down to Serbia and Latvia for that tenth spot. Overall, I was pretty happy with what made it. Uh, I was surprised to see that Switzerland came in a strong seventh place. I assumed that had just like barely squeaked in at the bottom, but no. That was uh, safely in. Even Unicorn, I did not think was going to be a definite qualifier, and that came in third. Mm -hmm. So just the order that things came in was a bit surprising to me. And, you know, then the last place finisher. Poor Malta. I think Malta's song was fun. It was well staged. It had youthful energy about it. They were clearly having a blast up there. It's a catchy tune. I I don't understand why it did so poorly. The two spots, not a great spot, especially if you're following something like Norway, which was coming in hot. True. The Ed Grimley dancing, that not not really my thing. I could see other people enjoying it. <laughs> well, it, there were so many interchangeable ballads in semifinal one mm-hmm. that it's like, surely it will do better than some of these. But no, even even splitting the vote on the drippy ballads, it still came in last. I could have done without somebody's baba qualifying, which I, I swear to me, that still sounds like... Harry Potter hissing to open the Chamber of Secrets. The ones that didn't qualify for the most part, you know, I don't mind them not qualifying. Everybody scored points, not like in the second semifinal. That was uh, that was a definitive 10 that ended up advancing. Oh, yes. Yeah. I was surprised that Estonia came in 10th and yet did so well in the grand final. Oh, that's a good point. I hadn't noticed that. I mean, it was a good performance in the finals. There were certain acts that definitely outperformed what I expected from them, and that was one of them. Albania was another. I think that was the best performance of Duya I've seen. 
Like they really turned that out and – oh, they only came ninth in the semifinal, which is interesting because Albania won the rest of the world vote in the second semifinal. Australia ended up winning the second semifinal overall. Congratulations to them for that. At the other end of the scoreboard were San Marino and Romania, which both received zero points. So I guess we still had our nil point this year, just not uh, as publicly available. I'm not going to argue with either of those nulls. <laughs> the bottom four or so were all songs that I really did not care for. So <laughs> well done, semifinal two. Yeah, there was a little bit of a jump from Greece to Georgia. There were two cliffs. Iceland was the one that came in 11th, but it wasn't even close to qualifying. Like, it was 30 points behind Estonia. No real big surprises on this particular scoreboard, I don't think. 2024 planning is already underway. It was announced earlier that Luxembourg is going to be coming back. Awesome. Yeah. Um, I have no exposure to Luxembourg. Me either. I'm just amazed that a country of, like, five people has five wins at Eurovision. Yeah. They go all the way back to the very first contest. They've won five times. They cut ties in 1993. I don't know what the backstory is of any of that. So that's going to be a project this summer. Uh, Very excited to learn about Luxembourg. I guess they have the infrastructure to host if they win. I mean, I've just... With a country as small as, you know, uh, Monaco or San Marino or Luxembourg, that's just... I I always think about, well, what happens if you do win? (laughs) Back when they were in the contest, it was easier to host because it wasn't an arena event. It was people going to the opera. But does the capital city of Luxembourg have an arena like Liverpool did? You know, I don't know. I kind of doubt it. Like, I I think that's one of the things with San Marino. It's just like, wait, are they actually going to be able to hold it in San Marino if it wins or (laughs) what, what the plan is going to be there? But we do know that sharing hosting is a viable option. Now, So at time of recording, eight countries have already expressed interest in next year's contest, including Finland. They are ready to fight again. They're releasing details about UMK. It's crazy. It's party. It's on. That's (laughs) (laughs) you think they might have a little uh, something to prove for next year. I think so. I, th- I think a rivalry may have been born at this year's contest, uh, which is nice. We, we've been kind of missing that the last couple of years. We're still waiting to find out about Australia. They did very well in the grand final. They finished in ninth. Yeah, it was. I thought it was a great performance, both in the semis and in the finals. I certainly hope they return. I think they've had a great run of songs. I believe this is their third ninth place finish, and they've also had several other top 10 finishes. They have one of the most impressive records at Eurovision at this time. It would be a real shame if they did not come back. And I can't imagine that the EBU would not want them back. I, Yeah, I'm, I'm just wondering if it's just a case of somebody needs to sign a piece of paper. Come back, Australia. We all want you. Any other final thoughts about this year's show? It feels like it went by so quickly, even though it's been months in the making. <laughs> Top results aside, I thought this was a really good competition. It was an interesting variety of songs. One thing I do hope for next year is I hope we'll see better staging again. That was the one thing I kind of felt was missing this year. I thought most of the acts relied too much on the screens and not enough on the stage itself. Mm. Um, And I I missed that. As for the performances themselves, you know, great job all around. I agree with that. And as, as much as I kind of begrudge Sweden's victory at this particular contest, I am looking forward to what they're doing for 2024, because they do put on a good show. I especially am amused by the fact that I feel like the guys from ABBA have kind of been 
talking some smack about Eurovision in recent years, about, you know, how too many songs are in English and all of this sort of thing. And now that the 50th anniversary is going to be in Sweden, all of a sudden they are on the board with Eurovision again. Very curious. <laughs> Trip, is there anything that you would like to point our listeners to? For the moment, I am still on Twitter at Puzzle Trip because I am a puzzle constructor. If you would like to play some of my trivia quizzes and puzzles and games and such, a few of which are actually about Eurovision, you can go to my Sporkle page and see them there. I think it's your most recent Eurovision quiz uh, with the lyrics that include the song title. Am I remembering that? Yeah, I picked maybe 20 or so of the winning songs and provided the lyrics with a blank where the title would be, and you simply had to click on which title would go in that blank. I'm not a blank, you stupid boy, and you would click toy, that sort of thing. Highly recommend that one. Thank you for joining us. And, well, us, me. Uh, <laughs> th- thank you for being on the show trip. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Euro What. Thanks for listening. Euro What podcast is hosted by Mike McComb, that's me, and Ben Smith. You can find show notes, our socials, and our full Eurovision 2023 coverage at eurowhat.com. If you'd like to help support the show and access a ton of bonus content from the Eurowhat AV Club, head on over to patreon.com slash eurowhat. Next time on the Eurowhat, Ben will be fully rested and ready to share stories about his first time at Eurovision. 